podcast where we look at all things birds and the time it takes to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom aka Ben. Joining me tonight is a fiery Italian man who also has a questionable right to work in the UK. It's Ash. Fratelli d'Italia. Buonasera ragazzi, come sei? How you doing Tom? <laughs> I'm alright. <laughs> Uh, alongside him tonight is an actual journalist uh, who is so on the pulse with current affairs, he thinks our new manager is Tony Cotty. It's Jim. Noswaithar, Shumai. I don't know what any of this means. Anyway, <laughs> it's fair to say it's... Uh, oh, I don't well, know that's very, very on the pulse. Thanks. Anyway, it's been a, it's been a quiet week, lads, isn't it? But uh, we're going to have to work through things chronologically. So let's get it out of the way as quickly as possible. Spurs were awful against United on Saturday, uh, and Bergvine justified his transfer fee by getting Nuno sacked, and that's about it, isn't it? <laughs> well, I missed the game because I was watching Hamilton, so I can give you a review of that instead, if you'd like. Yeah, go on then. The guys who played Berg Washington were outstanding. Highly recommend. <laughs> that's my review. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uncool, or cool, depending on how you look at it. I don't know what Hamilton is. You don't know what Hamilton is? No. Shocking. But I mean, is, it, is it about Formula One? <laughs> no, no, it's about one of the American founding fathers. But oh, yeah, no, I no mean, big then. no, no. And I mean, spoiler alert, he dies at the end. But that's less depressing than coming out and seeing the United score line. <laughs> <laughs> we actually said on the last yeah. pod, which you two made a nice, uh, nice little cameo in, I thought that. If Spurs got away with a draw or a narrow win at Burnley and a 2-0 defeat against United, he'd probably chalk it up as a good week. So uh, um, <laughs> something went a bit wrong there, didn't it? Can we just take that off Spotify and pretend that it never existed? Uh... <laughs> that well, there was one before that, Jim. The thing was the week before, Jim, you said that um, looking at the run of results that Spurs had sort of from late October through November, looking ahead at Everton and Leeds, including this United game and Burnley in the League Cup. And you went, yeah, it's got, it's got potential to, to be potentially a good run for Spurs. Yeah. Has your prediction changed somewhat? It's, it's hard to work out whether it's a bit of a weird one, the isn't outcome it? of reason things is good or bad. Well, we're, we're recording just after Atlanta against United, and that just reinforced the, the notion that I guess we already knew, but we were pretending that maybe wasn't the case, that United are really shit. Mm. Um, and we're shitter. They're just really not a good side. So I suppose that puts into context how bad Spurs must be to get, uh, you know, let's let's be frank about it, get absolutely dicked off them uh, on Sunday. So, <laughs> yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I'm not going to turn around and say, you know, called it, thought it was going to happen. But I guess you uh, you can't get away from the fact that I guess. I mean, it wasn't his first poor performance yeah. as, as Tottenham manager. I don't know where does that rank in the 17-odd games that he had because, I don't know, the reaction, the outcry was pretty intense. It was, it was quite a fiery response from the crowd from all reports. Yeah, and as someone who was actually there, that was probably the most toxic I've ever, ever seen it at the lane. Genuinely can't think of a moment where... There was such a, you know, an insipid atmosphere, just the reaction to a substitute. But it was absolutely right. It was it was a bizarre substitution. Lucas, as usual, 
always looks like our most likely attacker. Uh, I think at that point we were 1-0 down. So still chasing the game. And to make a like-for-like substitution early in the second half at home, disastrous, absolutely disastrous. And we were crying out for a bit more creativity, a bit more unpredictability. So to bring off Lucas, who gives you that, to bring on Bergwijn, who essentially just runs in straight lines, as far as I can tell, (laughs) doesn't really give the people what they want. And Mm. the people let them know. And it was, you know, they talk about fan action not having any effect in football. Clearly it does. It's definitely performances that have done it rather than results, right? Because, okay, 10 league games, five wins, five defeats isn't amazing, but it's not. It's not a total disaster either, right? It's the performances that matter. And I guess it just goes back to the idea that football's supposed to be enjoyable. Uh, and if it isn't, you're going to kick off about it because the only reason we follow it is a form of escapism. And particularly if you're following it at Premier League level, it's fucking expensive. And I, w- I, th- I think Nuno has probably fallen on his sword because not just because it didn't really work for him, uh, but because of what he followed. Uh, he followed crap and it didn't really get better. And I think if you're just 17 games into a, a, a you know, if, if he'd come after Pochettino, for example, I don't think he'd have been sacked yet. And it's only as a consequence of Spurs fans being pissed off with how long is it? Three years of poor football that he's kind of, you know, he's already come in when people are already agitated and you know that they don't want him and, it's a bit of a weird parallel, you know, my lot have had the same and sacked, sacked our manager last week, largely in similar consequences. It's a guy that nobody wanted. The results were bad, but not atrocious, but the performances were amongst the worst we'd ever seen. And it was the same thing. It's fan action in the end. It's people booing. It's it's people giving abuse to directors that, that forces their hand. So it's yeah, a, I think that's, that's the nail on the head. Like we've just suffered for so long with shit football at Tottenham and we just want to be entertained like we're not asking for much just we don't want to be was it the bottom two in chances created and shots on target and it's it's just embarrassing and I I feel for Nuno because the whole process of bringing him in was fucking embarrassing and he essentially fit in at Spurs like a foot in a glove like it was it was never gonna go (laughs) and he only only made it seem worse when on, in his announcement, we got the video from Paratici. Just been like, no, 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 I promise he can attack. I swear to God, he can attack. And then from that moment, we're like, he can't attack, can he? <laughs> Did anyone manage in a month? And we all just went, hmm, maybe. That's yeah, by three one nil wins. That, that was part of, yeah, it was part of the facade. And we just didn't want to believe it because we were enjoying ourselves getting three wins at the start of the season. And <laughs> slowly mm. we had to come to terms with the fact that actually... This is not the appointment that was ever going to work, even though we were willing to give it a go. It's a weird one because we, we, you know, I kind of said on the group chat, par- partly because I, I 50% believe what I was saying and I was 50% <laughs> hating you all. Um, that I bit so hard. <laughs> 17 games isn't, I don't think, or t- certainly in the league, you know, 10 league games isn't long enough for a manager to have said that he's been given a fair crack at it. But the flip side to that is, you can usually in these circumstances work out in that time frame whether it's going to work or not and whether it's going to get any better. And I think if Nuno had his 17 games in total and the results had been the same, but there had been, you know, let's say against United, uh, you know, obviously the first goal was chalk for us, 
chucked off for offside. You know, if he'd had 20 shots, 15 on target, De Gea had made some amazing saves, you know, and he'd had the same thing in some of the other games as well, the West Ham game, you know, put a bit more fight up the North London derby had been a decent performance, even if he'd have lost. Then he might have been able to say, things aren't right now, but there's kind of green shoots and signs that he can do a job. But I guess it's just not there. And it's um, when football's depressing and the performances are turgid, it just gives you nothing to look forward to. So in that sense, he's not particularly hard done to. And at the end of the day, he's going to walk away with a nice payoff for doing not a lot of work. <laughs> uh, well, Tom Tom mentioned the um, the toxic atmosphere in the stadium, and that's not something that's been brewing sort of overnight. This has obviously been coming up a long time. We've had the, um, the Supporters Trust trying to set up this meeting that the board initially knocked back and now agreed to. And there's only so much that the board could get away with. So when they started hearing all the chants about Nuno and obviously we want Levy out, that they had to act like this, they they can handle bad results. They can't handle bad performances because it's just going to build and build and build. And I mean, a hiring, it felt desperate from the start. It was to me like ordering a Domino's because there's no proper Italian in town. Having said that, that probably only affects Italians. <laughs> Wait, so you, you wanted an Italian. So you went to Domino's. You need to understand my town is small and shit. I know it is, but like, <laughs> that's like saying I want a, I wanted a kebab, so I ordered a korma. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, I want a lamb roast, but I got a kebab. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza's pizza, mate. Pizza is not pizza. Shut the fuck up. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> Triggered him. We're all Italian now. We're all Italian now. You've got to, uh, you've got to yeah, embrace the culture. The <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, yeah, speaking of Italians, that's part of the reason Nuno went so quick is because we had this opportunity to bring in one of the best managers in Europe and in his prime as well so we'll, we'll come on to Conte is probably a good time now isn't it and I mean people saying that we've got our Tottenham back sort of made me laugh because when in our history have we ever been able to hire one of the best managers in Europe in their prime <laughs> this is this is totally new none of we're all in shock am I am I the only one in shock what is our Tottenham I hate I don't really like this it's a continuous joke that I'm making this podcast of the Tottenham DNA in inverted commas. Oh, yeah. No one knows what it fucking is. The There's a conversation player. I had with my girlfriend. And she, she made a, you know, a very good point, which I completely agree with. So if your DNA is this fast-flowing, attractive, attacking football, trying to win in an entertaining way, yeah, well, isn't that, that's everyone's desire. <laughs> yeah. Our DNA is to try and be good at football. <laughs> yeah, that's everyone's aim. Oh, what's, what's your long-term strategy? Probably, you know, top four, you know, Champions League for a bit. <laughs> and win the title. Every club you go to in the top fight, and you say that, they're going to have the same ambitions. Yeah. So it, it's a bit, it's, for me, it's, it's a little bit of a pointless thing to say. And to, to get your Tottenham back, well, your club's gone, mate. This is modern football. You don't have any real showing in, in what gets done. It's it's essentially a marketing slogan, isn't it? It's the same as that every club yeah. in the land has the best supporters in the world. Like every club has the best supporters, and that's also not true. Um, yeah, especially for Millwall <laughs> <laughs> and Burnley. But let's not go there. Okay. But it's I guess I mean I was listening to um, to another podcast to to, to, to spout out a Julesism in his absence. Um, I won't. 
saying which one because I'm not doing other people's PR for them. But they were basically saying about three weeks ago, this idea of the Tottenham way, which if you take it to be attractive football, which is is fine because unless you're Stoke, everybody wants to play good football. (laughs) But these guys were saying this idea of the Tottenham way, this kind of confected vision of nice, free-flowing attacking football with lots of overlaps and uh, pulsating tempo and all that sort of thing isn't going to happen overnight with Nuno or Conte or anyone. It probably happened quicker with Conte than it would have done with Nuno, but it's going to take a period of, you know, 12, 18 months, two years, whatever, to get the squad to a point where you want it to be. I think, it, again, it just goes back to that idea that you want to see the work going in to make it look like you're trying. But for me, well, anyway. that was the problem with Nuno. Because you're talking about wanting to see football attempted to be played in a certain way. And it's something Jules has said to me mm. before. I think he said it on the pod at, uh, about a football coach that said it to him. Is that it doesn't matter if what you try to do doesn't work out. You just have to be trying to do the right things. It's about yeah. showing that application. Wasn't seeing that under Nuno whatsoever. And I couldn't see it getting better or ever improving. I think a lot of our issues against United were purely down to coaching. Ironically, they set up in a Conte style, which was quite funny, uh, <laughs> uh, to stop them getting Conte in doing so. But the formation we had, we should have been able to... Their high press was being led by two aided strikers. We outnumbered mm. them in midfield, and we could get in behind their wing-backs and overload them. It wouldn't take a great deal of coaching and technical ability to have beaten United, who were in, in poor form, Mm. and pretty low in morale as well. And for me, yeah. that is down that is down to the coaching. We weren't even trying to do the right things there. We had zero shots on target again. That's why it was fair for him to go. Yeah, well, I don't think we have to worry about that anymore. We've gone from yeah. a shit knockoff Nando's to a Vitello Saltimbocca, which is what? fucking beautiful, by the way. It's Ville wrapped in prosciutto and a little bit of sage, marinated in a bit of wine or oil. Mate, it's top tier stuff. Is the point I'm trying to make. You anyway, what he's saying, son? <laughs> no, not really. All I got from that is um, what one of my Geordie mates refers to Nuno as is the Perry Perry Pulis. So, <laughs> that's, the, that's the closest yeah, that's, analogy that I can get to from understanding from whatever you. That was trying. I was trying to go from that to great food. Bit harsh on Perry Perry, right? Yeah, uncultured. So anyway, I true. don't. I want. I like Domino's <laughs> and Nando's, bro. <laughs> I'm scum, subhuman scum. <laughs> I don't think that you guys will ever understand how much I love Conte or I think how much, much. <laughs> <laughs> how much <laughs> <to> Italians. <laughs> this guy like this guy came into the worst Italian side uh, in 2016, probably in living memory. I, I mean, I, I'm fairly young, admittedly, but I can't remember a worse side and. When I say worst side, here are some some names. That I wonder if you remember any of them. So we had a striker called Ada. There was Sunderland's famous Giaccarini. Mm-hmm. Marco Parolo. Stefano fucking Sturaro. I can't tell you how much I hated this guy. <laughs> and who can forget the bald twat Simone Zaza who did the fucking stupid penalty run up and then skied it. <laughs> he took yeah. that lot to victory over peak Belgium and Spain. Like he gave us some pride when we thought all hope was lost and then admittedly I'm the most armchair of armchair Inter Milan fans but he he then went and won us our first Scudetto in over uh, over a decade so this guy is special and I am in absolute shock 
that he chose to come to was it the ninth place Tottenham <laughs> when we're in the third <laughs> tier of European football I'm I'm baffled I'm absolutely baffled he can't have had a better offer it is it, it is strange it, it, it is strange because you think he was he waiting around for the, for the perfect job to come about perhaps I don't know but, I mean if he'd held his bottle a little bit longer then he, he could have probably have had the United job I mean if Ronaldo hadn't dug them out of um the Atalanta <laughs> result today that thought he still might. Wow. <laughs> it would be the spursiest thing if he walks out after two weeks to go to Old Trafford. <laughs> you I wouldn't put it past him either. <laughs> Could happen. I didn't. I didn't think he'd get him at this point. I mean, obvi- knowing what we know now, it was obvious that Nuno was only sacked because they were confident of getting him in. And Absolutely. you know, nobody's telling me that those calls weren't made before. And that deal wasn't done before Nuno was sacked, because otherwise he wouldn't have been fired. But it's uh, it's a coup. It's, I wonder what's changed, because went for him in the summer and he wasn't interested, which makes me think the only thing that can have changed is that Spurs have made a better offer. Conte made the um, the quote in the in the announcement, didn't he, that um, he'd, he'd left Inter at a bad time at the end of the season after just winning and he was still emotionally involved, so it wasn't the right time. And I don't know how much of that I believe. I mean, he's, I don't think he's ever joined the club mid-season, mm. um, if, if memory serves. So it is a bit shocking, but essentially all I can imagine that happened was that Daniel Levy went, yeah, we're, we're in the shit. Let's, let's tell him we'll spend $100 million. And Because, I mean, to him, he's, he's obviously he's a top-class top class coach, and I'm not, it's not that money doesn't mean anything to him. But he's walked away from clubs in the past because they haven't shown ambition. To him, ambition is everything. So the only answer I can give about why he's signed now and not in the summer, with all sincerity, was that we we showed lost the ambitions and we made bigger promises than we made back then. Mm. Like I said, and also we, I mean, I know we had Padalci in back then, but making the signings he's made has also shown the ambition as well. I reckon bringing in Romero, bloody great signing. And showing the direction of a club when we, we clearly had no direction beforehand. I think mean, that's a that's enough to to make a shift in a manager's uh, opinion of a club. Richard Dunn said to us on Twitter, "He kind of makes Nuno look like a stopgap." Can we be really cynical and say, "Was this always part of the plan? Just get somebody in for the time being. If it works well, great. And if it doesn't, we can fall back to Plan A, which last summer sounded like it was Conte." The plan all along was probably to have Nuno for a season mm. and bin mm. him in the summer in the hope probably that he got a Europa League spot and you can then go to a coach and say, come and take over this team that's in the Europa League again. But then uh, yeah. I guess we get to a point quite quickly where it looks like, uh, you know, with, with West Ham having a good season again and uh, Spurs just kind of imploding that, it you know, that starts to look unlikely. You know, when you when you're buying a house, not that I've ever bought a house because millennial. <laughs> you know, if you if you're looking for a house and the dream one comes up, you're just going to take it, aren't you? When you can, you're going to put the offer in and get it. My analogy was going to be, you've got your top choice future wife in the wings. You've asked her once and she's already said no, so you'll go date another bird for a little bit, see how that goes. You might have a little bit of fun. It might all end in tragedy. And when it eventually does, go back to plan A and say she's still up for it. And this time, this time she was. Well, my analogy <laughs> is Tottenham is like watching the same play every week where for some reason you pay through the nose to go sit for it, even though you know 
how it will end. That's how it felt before. What we're doing now is going, we're going to a different play. Well, obviously, we don't know how it will end. And I think as each week goes by, we will see a different play. Even though we will see the same 3-5-2 formation week in, week out, <laughs> we should hopefully see more positive outcomes. I was going to say, I think we know how it's going to end. You just don't know what the plot is. It's obviously going to end in two and a half years' time when he's pissed off everyone, fell out with everyone and walks away. But <laughs> between... If you that long, I... I'll be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Let's talk a little bit about the football that we expect to bring. Obviously, you mentioned the 3-5-2 uh, the there, Tom. He's... It's also been known to use the three four three when he was at Chelsea, and he started off with the I think it was a four four two or four two 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 whatever you want to call it. Um, the way I've seen it from watching his games and watching Inter over the years, he's he he's similar to Nuno in one respect, in which that he likes to overload the the wings, but higher up, but not necessarily by leaving the centre of the pitch completely fucking open. So that's good news. Um, <laughs> And he likes he likes all action energy midfielders who are going to do a lot of running. So we're going to be pressing high up and trying to to, to overload the defence in the wide areas by dragging their midfielders out of position and um, hopefully isolating a fullback or a, a centre back when they uh, obviously they go to they go to support. Um, don't be surprised if we go for long balls over the top. So. I imagine he's going to love Romero because he's sort of out of the virus passing is right up his alleyway. I wouldn't be surprised if we start by seeing maybe a Ben Davies at left centre back, to be honest, or go and buy a left footed left centre back because he wants it from both sides. He he did that into, I'm not sure he had the same at Chelsea from memory. I can't really remember, but it's all positives from the way I see it. Just back to pressing. We haven't done that in fucking ages. Yeah, he's the opposite of, uh, Nuno in the sense of the way that he runs his midfield because that mm. is normally quite congested um, I think you're right two of the most important well uh, three players that I think will be particularly important to uh, uh, you know assuming he doesn't make a lot of signings in the short term will be Reguillon, Emerson Royale and Hoybier the first two will be expected to do to do a lot of work uh, like you say cover at the back but then uh, have a particular emphasis on getting forward at pace. And Hoybier will do... I would imagine you'll see Hoybier's passing stats go through the roof and he'll sit quite deep. He'll sit in as a screen and just pull the strings pull the strings of the whole operation, I think. Um, Is he capable of that, Jim? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he... I think with the right players around him, he is, yeah. So not at Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can you can sort of see if you think it's sort of if you think of a mental formation in your head, right? You could you could do three five two. Another way of doing it is that he does the fat Christmas tree, and does like a three four one two kind of thing. So, so you have Romero, his centre half, Sanchez and Dyer either side, Hoybier in front, Lacelso slightly higher up, and then you've got Emerson and Reguillon on the wings, Kane up top, Sonnet kind of. 10-ish and Ndombele off him you can sort of see how that works like if you look at the there's a map going round of his Chelsea team in 17-18 and last year's Inter team and the average position of the outfield players it basically looks like a really compressed 3-5-2 or 3-4-1-2 with all 10 players on average in the middle third of the pitch 
that's an average position, so it accounts for a lot of pressing. I think, kind of. I think part of that as well is that his uh, his attacks, how he's set up over pretty much all his teams, have been fast and furious. So yeah. he's he's we're not spending sort of majority of the game high up the pitch as such, even though we're pressing high. But that's because we're getting the ball and we're trying to um, break a defense who are on sort of a fast fast break as it is. So when they're unorganized, that's when we're trying to hit them and and hit them fast. He's hopefully going to be able to make our midfielders actually be able to recycle the ball because mm. there'll be some players in the midfield but I think he gets a little bit of a um, mis- misrepresentation when they when people think he's quite defensive because of uh, because of those sort of maps and, and the stats but if you, if you look at it at, at Inter it was only outscored by Atalanta and yeah scored over 100 goals over, over a couple of seasons got Lukaku playing his best he's ever played as well so it's it's going to be fast and furious, and it's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to be running up the touchdown like a bitch in heat as well, which is always fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have heat maps looking like Emerson's by, uh, well, as soon as he gets that work permit anyway. Uh, I'd, se- I'd semi-agree with Jim's sort of attempt at formation. I, I was kind of thinking of this myself, and I think in terms of the player who's best at screening, based on what I see, and I'm sure Conte would disagree, is that Skip is actually the best placed yeah. person in this squad to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Hoybier is better on the ball than some people make out. He, When he's being restricted into having that sweeper role, I think it actually limits him. And I think if he's got the freedom to be a bit more box-to-box, he's a, I think he's actually a lot more of an effective player. So for me, a midfield of Skip, Hoybier, and then on Dombele, just to add a bit of unpredictability, should be very effective. That said, Luchelso is very good at recycling the ball, so there are benefits there. But what we do know pretty much for certain is that he always goes with, with two up front. And I think the best example of that was most seen most recently at Inter. You look at Lukaku and Lotaro Martinez. In Son and Kane, you've got like-for-like replicas who, who will give you the same outputs. They've got very similar attributes between them. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see you know, Son making those runs in behind when we have those quick transitions. Looking forward to Kane actually being in our own penalty area to, to, to threaten <laughs> and and arrive late and be where he should be. So it, it's all for me. It's all very exciting. I can see where in lots of places where the squad, even as it is now, should still be effective in his system, and mm. we know what we're going to get with him. If you were Deli Ali, bearing in mind that. He's likely to play with a congested midfield and he's going to like people having freedom to burst into the box. Would you be excited about this? It feels like there's a bit of potential to give his career a bit of a kick up the arse that it needs. I'd be delighted if I was Delhi. Um especially <laughs> sort of early on in the season. We um, we saw him playing that slightly deeper in a, in a midfield three. And I think the best player from Conte's team that we can try and compare him to in terms of the role that he's likely to be able to complete is um, Barella at, um, at Inter. So he's everything you want in a um, in a box-to-box. So he was high energy. He was uh, important at progressing the ball forward with his dribbling and with his passing. But most importantly was adding the attacking um, danger, I guess, to, to the opponent by getting in and around the box, which is obviously what Delhi was best at it in his prime when he was sort of banging in stupid numbers of goals. So that is the position that Delhi, if he, if he, um, I guess if he wants it, if he, if he's going to mm-hmm. try and 
get back to where he was, that's that's the sort of position that he might get into. Having said that, though, it's not secret that Conte loves Ndombele. And he, in fact, he tried to sign him at Inter uh, not too long ago. And that's sort of reported by anyone who's anyone, really. So I can't, I, I, I can't wait to see him get his hands on Ndombele bit of fitness behind him his famous grueling fitness test that made it was it charlie musonda who we spoke about it too was, recently yeah. made him collapse so then he's gonna have a fight in his hands lechelso i would be a bit more worried about i think he maybe he'll be fighting out with hoiberg for the another for the other eight if you will and it'll be skipping the in the six and we'll be likely to bring in another holding midfielder in the near future mm. my other very serious and extremely important question would be is if you were joe hart would you be concerned about your head and shoulders sponsorship now that Conte's back on the scene with that lovely Barnet? <laughs> is it a Barnet or is it a toupee? Come on. You've oh, seen him from uh... his Juve days. He looked closer to Zidane than he does at the moment. Uh, he looks more like well, the Chief. A, uh, he he might, it might well be a syrup. Yeah, he knows a great doctor. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not Fantastic transplant job. <laughs> yeah, and when you've won as much as he has, I'm fairly yeah. sure he can afford it quite well as well. Um, Made a big splash on his own Instagram. We also have an Instagram. You can search for that. But obviously be careful when you search for cock and ball. It's a bit odd. I don't know if you saw this. Conte obviously announcing his um, arrival at Tottenham on his story. With a picture of him. But with the backing track of, of a Tion Wayne song. <laughs> <laughs> was, that's so bizarre. That's how to endear yourself. That's how you endear yourself to fans in N17, isn't it? <laughs> well, if it was AJ Tracy, then yeah. Maybe. Or, it's close enough, mate. It's yeah, close or, enough. If it's not that or Chaz and Dave. <laughs> Was it real? Because you just saw me sent me a snap, like a snapshot of it from someone else. Is it definitely real? Like, did he actually share that? I mean, it looked like, unless it was some very clever editing, mm. that it was posted from his verified account. I, I have every, every bit of respect <laughs> for him referring to himself as being in the Spaghetti Mafia. I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that just the Mafia? <laughs> Isn't that racist? <laughs> well, we've got we already had La Mafia at Spurs and Welsh yeah. Mafia, and what I want to see is the club come out and say that we we have a strong stance against organised crime, uh, and we won't be having any of these mafias. <laughs> our club. Well, yeah, but then Spurs have been masquerading as a football club for the last three years, so you can't take that stance entirely seriously, can you? The, the, the most organised of crimes, especially. <laughs> Leave you at the helm. Another random fact for you: five thousand days since we won our last trophy. Um, yeah, have any so, Arsenal fans let us know about it as well? Yeah, I mean, no one counts days in fucking round numbers, no. do they? There's, there's 365 of them in a year for crying out loud. It's I couldn't, tell, I couldn't, I can't do the maths and tell you how many days are in three years. Do you know what I mean? Five thousand. <laughs> I don't know what five thousand days looks like. I mean, I'm guessing it looks like 13 years, but <laughs> you just happen to know that. Yeah, just happened to know. <laughs> so, fuck off, Arsenal fans. Yeah, you prick of a manager who's got Lego hair. We've got a proper Barnet on our manager. We're going to win the league. <laughs> Maybe not this year, but... What's our aspirations this year with Conte in the top four? Is that is that reasonable, Tom? The way people are talking about it now, who knows? But um, we'll know a lot more when we play Everton. We'll, talk, we'll come up to Everton a bit later. I think top four might be a little bit out of our reach. I think we'll start off probably very bright and he'll get his ideas down, but this isn't his squad. 
I think there's there's a lot to go on, especially with the wingbacks and the formation that we've talked about. But beyond that, beyond that starting eleven, <laughs> it's pretty pretty grim. He, he's not going to be bringing on the likes of Harry Winks or Matt Doherty, is he? especially when we need rotation going through the European competitions. So there's going to be a degree of the team not being as fit as it needs to be and not having the depth that it needs to be. And for me, that's why we won't make top four. But sixth place would not be a disaster. Yeah, I think I agree. I think it's it's probably got to be top six rather than top four. And if you get fourth, then then great. I mean, look, Chelsea, Liverpool and City are going to be the top three in some kind of order, probably in that order. I, I would say Spurs have got a chance of fourth, but it, you know, you're up against... United, West Ham, Arsenal and Leicester for it, I would say. So Spurs are probably likely to finish above above Leicester and, and probably Arsenal, I would say, out of those two. But I'm not sure that... Um, if we finish sure. below West Ham, though, I'll be mortified. Yeah, <laughs> Never hear the end of it. West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make a, make a handy little DVD out of that as well. <laughs> a shameful club. The new manager normally means we're going to have to come up with some sort of new chant. Not that I ever think we probably had a new no chant. Didn't partly because yeah. he wasn't there long enough. Nobody wanted partly him. Partly because he w- no one wanted him there. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you don't know what you're doing. There you go. That was our new no chant. So I've set you to task. I don't know if Jim's had time to come up with one. I mean, yeah, you set us to task with an hour's notice. <laughs> yeah, but us normal people would finish work at a respectable time. So look at you just As it happens, the news I for do tomorrow. have two. So. Oh, there you go. Up mine. Go on in, give us one. <laughs> so the first one is a quite simple Tony, you're a cunt, eh? <laughs> I could tell you made that one at work. <laughs> is that before or after your morning coffee? Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second one, the best I could do, bearing in mind, like I say, I had an hour, was... He can do it in Leeds on a Tuesday night. Antonio Conte makes Jose look shy. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, I, I need your help I'm... with um, my one, Ash. Go on. Go I'm going to come to mine because I think yours will be better. Where he's from, is it pronounced yeah. Lecce? Yeah, it is. Well done. Good, because that will help with the rhyme. <laughs> what did you think it was, Lease? <laughs> <Lise? laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know, mate. <laughs> But you know the old classic that everyone's seen out at the moment, Antonio Conte, he came from Lecce to play with Sonny, his toupee is massive. <laughs> it's a simple one, but I think it could be effective. It's catchy. I've got I've got one and a half, so I think maybe we'll put the second one out to the uh, to the listeners on Twitter and see if they can finish <laughs> it off for us. But let's go for the first one. It's uh, he wins when he wants. He hints when he wants. Let me start it again. Because I have made a noise that no human has ever made before. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out and start again. No, that's staying in. I want that sound <laughs> studied by natural science. Right, what I tried to say was, he wins when he wants, he wins when he wants. But now he's at Tottenham, so I guess that will stop. Um, <laughs> Catchy. <laughs> And the second one, in case it's not clear, I've taken inspiration from Betsamore for obvious reasons. And it's uh, when the football was crap and Nuno got the sack, we got Conte. United won 3 0, but they've got Sochar still, we've got Conte. That's where I'm stuck. So, listeners, That's if you've got any good. lines to That's, add. I like that. It's going to be irrelevant in about two weeks, though, when you know, I don't have Sochar anymore. 
It reminds me of that one that uh, Watford had, you know, when about 17 managers ago when they had Javi Gracia, <laughs> the last time they were in the Premier League, they had this chant that said, Javi Gracia, he drinks sangria, he came from Russia to Hertfordshire, he's 47, he's Watford's heaven, blah, 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 can't remember the rest. Then fairly quickly, they realised that actually he's 48. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as calamitous as Tottenham's admin welcoming Conte in Spanish <laughs> and then the lead in. <laughs> Once it's out there, it's said you can't you can't draw that back. Anyway, we might have a chance to to sing some of these chants to to Conte on his first outing as Spurs manager, which I can't believe I'm saying. Thursday night we're at home to Vitesse. It is possible that he won't actually be managing us at all because he's he's not allowed to work. He was only observing training today. It wasn't. Wasn't working, wasn't working now, just volunteering. Yeah, pipe um, down pretty Patel. Yeah, exactly. Give him his permit, come on. So he might not have the permit in time, so he might just be watching it in the stands. So we, we, we don't really know what we're going to get from Vitesse because it's not it's too soon for us to, to gather anything about the Spurs' content and what we will see going forward. But I don't know, it's probably quite... Vitesse were probably looking forward to this fixture <laughs> up until uh, <laughs> this morning. So... Um, I don't know. What do you expect, Ash? I don't know. It's still going to be a huge game for Vitesse, isn't it? Coming to, you know, the new Tottenham Stadium, which is a highlight of... It is. It just is a highlight of a lot of people's careers over in Europe because it is a special stadium. Um, everybody wants to beat an Antonio Conte side because they are famously fucking formidable. So they'll be up for it. And I think we'll see more of the same from them. I imagine we'll put out a significantly stronger side than we did at their place, mainly because we're at home and we don't have to worry about the travel and fatigue. Um, but other than that, your guess is as good as mine, mate. No one, <laughs> no one knows what's going on. I wouldn't be surprised if we go straight to 3-5-2 or if we stick with 4-2-3-1. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But because Conte's not, not really working, is he, Tom? So, and Brexit means Brexit. And I can say that now because I've got my blue passport. It arrived. I'm one yeah. of you. Brilliant. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Hopefully you feel as miserable as the rest of us. Oh, yeah. Jim? I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't really care. It's for Tessa. Like, whatever. It's the conference league. I can't get, I just can't get excited about it, no matter what the circumstances are. Um, look, I mean, Vitesse won the home leg. They won't win at Spurs. I'm fairly sure of that. I, I would imagine it's a pretty routine win. It probably would have been anyway. So, bit of a free hit, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, me and Ash looked at getting tickets a few hours ago, and they were already sold out purely because they people want to see Conte's first game. So the, the atmosphere yeah. should be good. They've shut the upper tier, but he's still going to have thirty to forty thousand sellout in inverted commas. So the atmosphere should be a little bit different to what Vitesse would probably have anticipated. I went to the Moura game and there's no one really there. I mean, they only had about 12 fans. What time's your minibus? But I don't know. The atmosphere, I think, will, will, will make a difference. The players should be uplifted by having to work with such a legend. They'll be keen to impress him as well. Mm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see you sort of crumbles under the pressure and who shines but I think that should push us towards probably a 2-1 win because I, I still think they'll, they'll score because like you say they, they want to turn up and they're not a horrendous team so and, and they'll have a good following themselves so I'm going to say 
Yeah, I think the atmosphere and the new manager bounce will see us to a comfortable victory. I think we can keep it to 3-0. Our side this time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'll just go between you and say 2-0. Mm. Fair. So, Fair I mean, we kind of talked about the sort of lineup we would predict Conte to play if he was going to play his traditional 3-5-2. His best opportunity to, to play a full-strength side in that formation was going to be Everton on Sunday uh, away at Goodison Park. Are we we fairly sure that <laughs> that depends how effective the home office want to be this week. I'm fairly sure he will be the manager <laughs> by then. Does that present a different challenge? Obviously, Everton are just Northern Spurs. <laughs> but that said, this is this is a terrific time for us to be to be playing a team like that. They've got really mixed form recently. You're never quite sure which team in else is going to turn up. I don't think their squad is as good as uh, so we kind of thought they were at the start of the season. It must be a good time for us to play them. It's a great time. They've lost. Um, I mean, they're, you, you say they've got mixed form. They've got terrible form. I think they've lost. What is it? Five of their last seven. I think it is. Um, it's got some mixture in it. <laughs> the only the only team they've beaten in that period is Norwich. <laughs> okay, even they've beaten. Norwich. And the only team they got a point against was United. So <laughs> no, uh, it's a good time to play them. They usually, even though they're in dodgy form, Everton are usually quite tight. Like um, Benitez sides are, I, I can imagine it being quite scrappy, but um, it's not the worst game to walk into for the first Premier League game, is it? Um, no, and I think if anyone can break the Tottenham, the, the Tottenham curse, it's Antonio Conte. So <laughs> he let's is the see cure. what happens. Eject yeah. it into my veins. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, I mean, we should still be seeing that that manager bounce there and Conte is a fucking Rottweiler. If you don't, there was that famous quote that he'd rather kill players that don't do what he wants. So, um, Eat grass, spit blood, all of this stuff. I'd rather kill them. Yeah, which is a lot of scarier than being an intelligent cunt. So, um, (laughs) if nothing else, we'll, we'll, I mean, Nuno, to his credit, the one thing he did well was build up our, our, our stamina and I know his running stats don't show that but I think that's because of his atrocious tactics rather than our players being unfit this time so um, I expect a high energy performance which against this Everton side who to give them the tiniest little bit of credit they have a lot of injuries a lot of important injuries I still think they're shit regardless so uh, 2-1 victory for Spurs mm, probably what I would have said I'm, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be positive because Conte fever is contagious. Uh, 2-0 Spurs, I reckon. I, I, I'm not sure Everton will be up for a goal. Oh, I was going to say 3-2 Spurs because I can see a few goals going in. So oh. one of them going to look like a tit, aren't they? Well, have they got... Uh, is Big Don back? No, he's out for a long time. No, isn't he? no. Yeah, and this is the yeah. thing that, you know, unless Richarlison's firing on all cylinders... Yeah, but it is Spurs, so. fan. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> can i just Amazing put a call words. out to all uh well-meaning football supporters jeff stelling's cat is called challoner uh and it's named after dave challoner who until today was hartlepool's manager until he walked out on them <laughs> to come to us this is after jeff stelling had tweeted uh at weekend saying in fact i'm going to get the tweet up because it's quite funny 
Uh, I like Stockport County as a football club. It's a proper club. But Dave Chalner always wanted to be a manager of a football league club. That's why he's staying with us and not returning to the National League. <laughs> Sorry. And then less than 48 hours later, there was a statement on the Hartlepool website saying, Dave Chalner has this afternoon informed the Hartlepool United board that he wants to leave and join Stockport County. Um, so I'm slightly concerned for the welfare of Jeff Stelling's cat. Because he's yeah. going to look at it every time and go, oh, you're called Challen. I don't love you anymore. <laughs> and he's going to have a lot of time to spend with said cat because he's, uh, he's going to be a bit short of work soon. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, He's older than I thought he was, his old Jeff. He's like in his 70s, isn't he? He's like 71. I couldn't care less, lads, to be honest. <laughs> Just cut him in half and count the rings. <laughs> One. That's brutal than watching Sky Sports sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is Halloween after all-ish. And I think on that gruesome note, we'll leave it there. It's exciting times ahead of us. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at cockandball underscore pod. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We have an email address somewhere, but no one uses email anymore. Uh, so thanks for listening. Have a see you next time.